This is Michael Kenneth Williams, and you're listening to Mike Sappho Podcast. Yeah! <laughs> Party people all around the town, and I'm going to tell you one time, you're going to love this. Ready to go, my dude? It's about time. London, South Africa, finally back at Jack Dempsey's. Oh, come on, Mike. I've been working. <laughs> you look good, by the way. You said, I Thank like you. your style. The gray beard. You had the white jacket. And you're always styling. I'm styling? A white beard is styling. Well, you, you look sophisticated. You came with the white bubble jacket. You look good. I try. You know, I try to be old man. I got at least, at least look sophisticated, if nothing else. Right? Now, you're a model guy. You modeled for Gap. What was your worst style growing up in Brooklyn? There has to be one when you look back at a picture and you're like, fuck, I'm really embarrassed by this look. Wow. I, 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 I did the MC Hammer, like, like pants at one point. Oh, like the big baggy the ones. Big baggy point. I did that. At one, I went through an MC Hammer phase, and then I went through a Bobby Brown phase where I was wearing biker shorts with matching tops, and I was like a toothpick skinny. Wait, like the tight shorts? Yeah. Why I would mean, you do like, that? Because Bobby Brown did it in the video. <laughs> <laughs> my Bobby Brown phase. So that, those are the two most probably embarrassing. Uh, I'm embarrassed for you. Yeah, you should be. You know what's funny, Mike? You represent Brooklyn a lot of stuff. You wear the Brooklyn hat. You're Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah. Growing up, I grew up in Staten Island, mm-hmm. and coming to Brooklyn, it's like, oh my god, Brooklyn's hard. Yeah. I know where you live now. It, is it weird that Brooklyn's losing its hard edge? Like it's not as cool anymore. I'm actually glad for that. Okay. So an, I think we we did our bit with that with that nonsense because in reality, that's what it is. It's nonsense, right? But um um. Having said that, you know I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, and and I don't feel bad. Don't feel bad because there were parts in Brooklyn I wouldn't go to. Like <laughs> you didn't go to East New York back in the no, days. You never, never. Like why? Why would you go to East New York to die? You know what I mean? I, I always loved that you just said like you had this bad styles growing up, the tight biker shorts. Yeah. Yet yeah. people know your character, so they're like, oh shit, that that's Omar. That's Chalky. He was a gangster. You were not hard. You like an artsy dude growing up, right? I was a. I was just a nerd growing up, really. <laughs> I was just corny. I was the corny kid, you know what I mean? Um, um, wasn't really popular with the girls, man. I definitely wasn't, you know, the I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you up guy. You know, I was probably the guy getting beat up. I just, you know, I like to have fun. I like to party. I love to dance. I love music. I love getting, you know, well, I used to really love getting high. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, that was my thing, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, my, I gotta tell you this. Our last podcast was like a year a year ago. Yeah. In December. Uh huh. It was my third most downloaded podcast. And you know what people talked about the most? Two things. What? One, they talked about the Tupac story with the weed story, which I'm gonna make you repeat in a little bit because wow. that's a great story. And number two, everyone's like, "Holy shit! How'd you have Michael K for an hour? The only person who ever had him for an hour was Charlemagne at the Breakfast Club." Wow. So now we're gonna blow it out of the water. So for the next four hours, Michael K. Williams. <laughs> Okay, so, right, I was like, okay, somebody, get a menu, somebody, it's going to be here for a while. So, so what are you up to now, like filming-wise and stuff? You know, I'm actually, um, well, as far as being in front of the camera, I am in Atlanta working on the, a remake of Superfly alongside uh, Trevor Jackson and, um, and Jason Mitchell. So, uh, yeah, we're wrapping up on that, but um, behind the camera, because, mm. see, that's some things that's, hasn't ha- that's been happening since the last time we spoke, is uh, I've been putting on my producer's hat. So I got this um this this, this uh 
I got this documentary that's going to be on HBO through um, um, through Shane Smith's deal with Vice. It's, it's, it's through his company, but it's going to be on HBO. And it's, the working title is Diamond in the Rough, and it is about the uh, juvenile criminal justice system in America. And I'm extremely proud of it, to tell the to say the least. And um, I, I, I'm not going to give the of course give the whole story away. But what I will say is, um, it's not traumatizing. You know, um, you know, I think you know you'd have to be living under what rock to not know that there's something wrong with our society across the world, right? Just pick a fucking problem, basically. So um, I picked the crim- the juvenile criminal justice system, and what I'm most proud about it is the um, is this this is a piece. I would like to consider my 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 solution, my idea for a solution, an alternative to what's wrong with our youth and how we, and how we're responding to our children in regards to the justice system. You know, I think this is a, an alternative answer to that, and and it's it's, it's cost effective, it's actually cheap, and it's and it, it's been working. We have the proof and the and the data to know that these particular programs in our country have been working in regards to dealing with our kids who are in trouble. So that's what I'm really proud about. And um, I got this book that I I um I optioned from a childhood friend of mine. What up, <laughs> Michael? That's my boy Lee. Lee, Lee, pull up a chair, Lee. So, Mike, not to cut you off, this is my brother Lee. Not, not my real brother. He's my, my dude, Lee. Yeah, yeah, we all brothers, man. We all old brothers. We all brothers. So here's some, I don't want to think cover. we're like, people think we're twins, Mike. Yeah, well, obviously. You know? So, Lee, let me tell you real quick. <laughs> Same name and everything. So I'll tell you how I met Lee. And we just cut off like a really emotional thing, how he's talking about his documentary. Let's talk about the documentary, and then we'll talk about Lee. So we're going to show. I actually finished by the documentary. <laughs> I was going on to the next thing, which was uh, I optioned a book uh, called Bishop from a childhood friend of mine um, and from Brooklyn. And it's a Brooklyn story. And again, through the um, the almighty Shane Smith, we got a deal at Fox. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm producing my first uh, full-length feature film uh, through Fox Searchlight on, you know, alongside uh, Viceland. And um, it's called Bishop. It's going to be, you know, hopefully next year, be out in the theater near you. So those are my two pet projects, man. You like being behind the mic a little more? I like being in a position to create opportunities and to work with people that I admire and, and my peers. You know, I got Derek Pridgen, who I've known for, Jesus, every bit of like, like, like almost like 15, 20 years. He's writing the script, you know. Um, Alexa Fogel, who cast him in The Wire, she's going to be casting this. I, you know, it's just it's a it's a uh, it's a fan fest, and we you know we put our heads together and we're making art, making product that we could go back and look at um, young, inspiring talent and give them an opportunity. So um, it's empowering for those reasons for me. Man, you speak so passionate about this, it's like a little baby of yours. Um, I'm like, I feel like I'm starting all over in the bin, you know. Um, you know, because being in front of the camera, it, you know, I'm very grateful because my life could have been so many different other realities. But there comes a time when you know, everything is time to grow, it's time to evolve, it's time to see what the next level is. And I'm at that point where you know, um, you know, where I come from and what I've been through and where I'm at now in my life, it's got to mean more than just I get to say, oh, I'm a TV star. I, I want to have more um, more of a legacy when it's all done than just my resume as me being in front of the camera and the work that I've done. It's about the opportunities and what I've, I've 
and what I've built for the next generation. You, you know, I like you did. You were, you didn't uh, quote unquote keep the conversation going. You're doing shit about it. Like, hey, I wanna. I'm not just gonna talk about too many juveniles being arrested and incarcerated. I'm gonna do something about it because of your voice, man. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. All right, so let me introduce you to Lee. Lee, what up? What's so up, Lee, brother? so you know Mike. I, you, I'm upset. I'm obsessed with traveling. So a couple of years ago, I'm like, you know, I want to go to North Korea. This is no bullshit. So I look it up, and I'm like, this one dude from New York, he's been to North Korea. This, holy crap. This dude's been to every country. He has a fucked up Yankee hat, too. This, let me email this dude. This dude's Lee. He's the youngest dude to visit every country in the world. Wow. He just got back from Africa yesterday. He's That's in Africa. Far. I was in Southern Africa, South Africa, and then... Uh, I've been there a few times. Uh, it's the best, isn't it? Yes. And then I was at some really remote islands in the uh, South Atlantic called St. Helena and Ascension Islands. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, man, I love it down there. Africa's my favorite wow. place to travel. Uh, yeah, it definitely uh, one of my favorite. I haven't been around the world, but yeah, South Africa is definitely one of my favorite places. It's, it's so nice. Like I would, I almost bought a house in Cape Town. It's so nice down there. We have, yeah, I'm gonna say we have to. We, I mean, we, but we have to. You, you know, um, um, I'm, I'm really uh, intrigued with the other uh, townships there, like like a Kalicha, and particularly. You know, I have goals of going down there and working with the community, and um, because there's so much talent. Yeah. So much potential, and, it, and it's just, and it, it's just, I, you know, you know, the, the spirit of the people, and it's, it's not a, it's just, you know, um, it's a really beautiful place because the spirit of the people, they, they really, you know, it's a brand new country as we know, as far, but they, in my opinion, the way they deal with race, their race issues, and with the mindset where they see themselves going. They're the template for the rest of the world, it's, especially in regards to race relations, I believe. That's a good way of putting it. It's a really fascinating place, especially in terms of race relations. I happened to be there just last week when Z- uh, Jacob Zuma was forced out of office. So it wow. was a huge deal for them. And I also happened to be there a couple of years ago when Nelson Mandela died. So a couple of the monumentous moments in their recent history. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fucked up place. But uh, it's awesome how they kind of coexist in... Kind of like what you were saying before about how your life could have gone a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. That country, post-apartheid, could have gone a bunch of different ways. It could have and been all power a, a to blood Mandela for, May God bless for him. keeping it together, man. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wish them nothing but the best. I've been down there, I don't know, 12, 13 times, something like that. Oh, you beat me. I'm, 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 I'm four. <laughs> it's, but it's just, it's just amazing. And every time I go there, the passion of the people, it's just awesome. And, and you see the way they interact together and uh, you see the separation and the differences but mm-hmm. then you see them all come together and yeah. uh it's nice to see man it really is you know what it's crazy i was there uh, my last time there well all my four times have all been for work right. so i'm there like three and four months at a time i'm there but the last time was three months and um it was odd not one argument in the street that I see, much less a fight. Not one argument, not one like, you know, maybe a little traffic, ah, I know, you know, whatever. You know, but but, but uh, uh, a little fuck off, you know, in the traffic. But no like, like, oh, wow, it's going down. Like, you want to pull up a chair and watch a fight. Yeah. Nothing. I come home, I'm not home seven days, and right on Bedford <laughs> Avenue, Bedford Avenue and Grand in Williamsburg, and I say Williamsburg with my fucking quotation fingers, right? With my, my gentrification <laughs> quotation fingers. When the cupcake stores move in, it's over, bro. My God. And it was a full-on brawl on the corner of... I was like, you know, been out of the country. But I was traumatized. I'm like, let me get my Brooklyn my Brooklyn face back on. Wait a minute. It's like, this shit hit motherfuckers are crazy. I'm in Africa. <laughs> the jungle is safe. You know what I'm saying? Dude, the more you travel, man, the more you realize what happens every We're day. We're violent people. Oh, it's so, it's like, so fucking it's so fucked up. It's once in a generation in a country like that. You yeah. know I mean? it's like every day it's here. It's crazy. 
But Mike, so he's in Africa, and when I had you on last time, he texted me. He's like, dude, I don't believe Omar came on. He's like, dude, if you have him on again, you got to tell me. So we confirmed. We spoke the other day. Yeah. The first thing I did, I hit him up, and he's like, dude, I'm in Africa. When is it? Monday's like, I don't give a shit. He came back what, yesterday? No, yesterday? No way, dude, for real? He came, back, came yesterday, back yesterday, and, and he came right. Uh, I'm going to Texas tomorrow, so it just like worked well, out perfect. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I got to make, so are you feeling motherless Brooklyn? Because that was on IMDb, and obviously everything on the internet's true. So everything, and you know, th- you're the second person, literally in two days, to ask me about this motherless. What is it, motherless? Motherless book? Because then you know something. It, oh my god! It came up on one thing, oh and then god. nothing else. You know what? That's that's the, the Ed Norton movie. Yes, I am doing motherless Brooklyn. Shit. Do you know that you're doing Motherless Brooklyn? Because you seem like you're stunned. I, I Did really, I just break no. news that you're, you're, you're in a movie? This is really bad. This what is really fuck? bad. Ed Norton, if you hear this, I'm so fucking my bad, bro. You know what we're doing. We're doing this. Like, but, but here's the funny right? thing about Ed Norton. So this is Dave, the small <laughs> yoga guy over here. Yeah, yeah, he actually, oh, no, I'll tell you what. He actually owns the, and if I'm wrong, Dave, is it the world bench press record? Yeah, well, he, yeah for the cops. The NYPD or any police officer in the world. He like beat the Russians. He set the world record for bench press. What'd you put up? Two twenty, five twenty-five. Wow, Jesus, you're so small. How'd you do that? <laughs> so Mike, so so I'm like, yo, Mike's coming. He's like, yo, I gotta come. I said, all right. So we pull up your IMDb a couple days ago, and he's like, oh, mudless. And then we went out to trivia, and it said, we, uh, we looked at your IMDb, and it says Michael K. Williams was Harlem bystander in the Hulk. I'm like, really? They just grabbed the black dude from Harlem to be in there, but then. Apparently, Ed Norton like per- purposely put you there because he was a fan. Is that true? Yes, it is. So yes, you weren't just is. a random black guy in the corner. You were Ed Norton's boy. Is that no, like what you were? No, he actually wrote this really. It was a really dope scene. So at the, oh. I think at the at the at the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the 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 main what you call the crescendo of the movie when I think the abomination and the Hulk were having a fight. That fight happened in Harlem. My character was supposed to come out and like you know cuss out. The Hulk and the abomination for fighting in his community and messing up Harlem. Like, you know, take that shit to the white people to the suburbs. Like, why you why you gonna have to fuck Harlem up, right? We just got this shit cooked up. You gonna fuck it up? Like, take that shit to like to the suburbs somewhere. Like, fuck up your old town. And so that was supposed to be the my character. And I don't know, it just uh just didn't make it in the final cut. But um, yeah, Ed is a uh, He's a very kind dude, really good dude. Yeah, so I, I'm also, I am definitely, I'm really excited to be doing Motherless Brooklyn with Ed Norton. Do you do you still audition? Yeah, yeah. I auditioned. Now, check this shit like out. How, right? But how do you go for auditions? Like, because don't they know they want you or they don't want you? You know, it, it depends on the studio. It depends on the, 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 the role. It depends on the amount of responsibility that the role has to, to, to sell the project. Because, you, you know, if if it were only based on merit and 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 talent, it would be a different Hollywood, right? You know, it's just, it's just popularity contests. Yeah. It all turn, it all boils down to what they call ass. How many asses can you put in those seats, right? Mm-hmm. And that comes with the whole litany of branding, and you know, it's a whole other machine that goes behind who gets the part. You know, sometimes it's not just based on can he can he. Do the work. There's a reason Tom Cruise gets 20 million a movie. It's not because he's an amazing actor. It's because he gets <laughs> he's a, like he's amazing. He's amazing. He is an amazing um actor. Like all them stunts he does. I think I think Tom Cruise is a shit, but he also has built his brain. He's a brand. Right. He gets asses and seats. You know what I mean? Um, I you know so anyway so yes to, to, your, to answer your question I still audition. Me personally, I, I love the audition process because it's um you know, it's my chance to... Well, first of all, when I get it, no one can say that they gave me shit, mm-hmm. number one. And then number two, it, it um, 
it's a chance because you know from the theater and and you know an audition a chance to go and sharpen my knife you know and be like oh let me create this shit and go in there and and woo and woo the audience <laughs> you know what I mean and woo the audience and and, and um. So auditions are uh, my my chance to do that, but you know it just it keeps me humble. Like you know Queen Latifah, as as you know I know her Dana Dana Owens. I've known Dana since she was seventeen years old, and when it came time for for me to be considered as her love interest in Bessie, I had to audition three motherfucking times for someone I've known for over twenty thirty years. Right? I'm like really, you know. But I mean it it, it I loved it. I loved every minute of it, and and. I still take my auditions very seriously to this to this day. Like if 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 I had to audition as you know a, a guy named Mike with a who likes to wear yellow t-shirts and gray sweatpants, you guys believe I'm gonna come in that audition <laughs> with a yellow t-shirt and gray, and gray sweatpants? Like I'm gonna I still go to audition dressed as best I can to the character, you know, um, and I give it my best shot because it's it's you know. It's just you don't take those things for granted. It's part of the process. Because there's one thing I really want to say to you as a friend, too, and I really mean this. You need like a fuzzy, warm comedy part. Every character you play is a drug dealer, is a gangster. You you, you know, you, you test the limits with uh, sexuality, and you're a murderer. You're a bootlegger. Why not a fuzzy role for Michael K? We need a fuzzy you know, comedy role with you. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You know, it's like no one people see me smiling. Like, wait a minute. You got teeth? <laughs> you're, you're gonna have your Robert De Niro meet the parents movie yeah, come out soon. Man. He has right. to, doesn't he lead? Like, I every, need it because your characters are deep. Like you get like, and you said you take acting, and this is gonna sound kind of silly. You take acting; it's your life, it's your livelihood, it provides for you, it's your passion. Yet you told me last time, sometimes you have to decompress from these scenes. You're in these crazy murderous oh, some scenes. Of these, some of these things. How I do you therapy. decompress? It's it's creepy. You know, it's it's like you know some of these these these. Mm, roles and the mindsets that these these characters are in are written in they're very dark spaces very dark and you you know for me i go there you know i don't pretend like i'm acting like i'm going to kill someone i find the mindset of someone who wants to kill and for whatever and for whatever particular reason that's in the script so i go there i completely submerge myself in that and it's a it's an energy it's a darkness it's a um it's it's it's, it's ether it's, it's it, you know you so you have to gotta wash that shit off, man. It's 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 family connection number one. I always keep some someone who I know loves me as like my little rope around my Achilles heel, to, my ankle to pull me out out of the mud, the quicksand. Um, I, uh, um, the spirituality. I keep you know I keep you know it's sometimes it's, it's as simple as a good plate of food after work and a glass of wine. But I always make sure no matter what I have someone around me who loves me and understands how deep I'm going in the process that I'd use to get there to help bring me out out of deep waters at this time. You know, it's 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 funny, um and I, I was a little late, so if you guys already talked about this, I apologize. But I th- my favorite show of all time is The Wire. Thank and you. Omar is the, as far as I'm concerned, is besides Tony Soprano, is the greatest character of any television show of all time. Thank you. And you just rocked it, man. And uh I'm wondering if people say that to you all the time because I know how much I loved that show and your acting specifically, which I think made the show. You and uh, McNulty. You know, The Wire as a whole, it's hard for me to sit here and talk about The Wire and, and, and single out any one character, especially my own, because, you know, it, 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 what made Omar so great was all the other actors and all the other pieces and all the other storylines woven together and and... You know, it, it's 
people love that show and they love that experience that that show gave them because of the honesty in which it was written and and the level of of depth of which all of the characters were played and how we came together behind off camera and in the storyline it it was a perfectly woven story that was based in truth and i think that is what i mean the cops the drug dealers the drug addicts the parents the politicians there is not one genre of of people that the wire spoke to or spoke of or spoke for that didn't i haven't come across and be like that's some of the realest shit i've ever seen Everyone across the board is not just the drug dealers. Not even even the stick up kids. Eh? I've had some stick up kids come to me and swear that I was a stick up kid. And I'm like, <laughs> you, you shake your head, yeah, because I don't want you to stick me up. So yeah, I'm a stick up kid. Yeah, you know. But um, it's 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 just it's just a, it's a it's a paying it's just paying homage to David Simon and Ed Burns because they they created that world and they did it they did it. Magnificently, that's awesome, and that show was just casted like Seinfeld, perfect, like so. Well. Shout out to Alexa Fogel. So she knows, well. she knows her. She knows she has an eye. And uh, an eye. I have an interesting story for you. Um, so I mentioned McNulty before Dominic West. I was in Antarctica with him uh, about four or five years ago. Wow. Um, so he was on an expedition with walking with the wounded um, with Prince Harry and Alexander Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. And I was on the same trip as them trying to get to the South Pole and they were doing it for, you know, the wounded veterans and I was just trying to get there because I'm not nearly <laughs> as good a person as them. Hey. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was it was so cool like, and we kind of got iced in and we were stuck, you know, all together for like four days and man, it was just so cool getting to, uh, you know, not we're not like best friends or anything but getting to know him and uh, yeah, it was Don pretty West, cool. He's a, he's a very very down to earth guy, family man, you know, and um, just just he's one. He's as real as they come. And I remember asking him about you, and I just told him the exact same thing I told you. And he said you're just <laughs> the most amazing actor, man. He had nothing but great things nah, to say. About Don you. West, man. We, I mean, from he was one of the first ones that uh, kind, of, you know, because The Wire was a huge cast, and I was very young in my career, and you know, it's like my, you know, that's my breakout role. So you know, they were all. A little more seasoned than I was, you know. I was a little intimidated, and Don was one of the first ones. Like you know, um, I never forget. He he saw he saw me. You know, he saw my he saw my gift. Right. You know, it was the scene after Omar went to identify his lover Brendan's body that was beat up in yeah. the morgue, and um, after we did that scene, Dom grabbed me. He said, you, we're going to Martha's, Bertha's, Bertha's muscles. They're going to tell me, how did you do that? I do what? That, well, how did you do that? And we, we, I said, buy me a bit. I got to tell you, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> I had not a fucking clue what he was talking about because I was so green. You know, but he saw the, he saw my connection to Omar, how I, how I just, I, I, whatever he saw me do, he was mesmerized by it. And he, he um. He treated me to you know to, to muscles that birth birth his muscles, <laughs> nice. which and if you know Baltimore, that's that's a so that's being treated. You know yeah, that, yeah. that's you take a date deal. You got to get some <laughs> get some panties or some information. You take it to birth his muscles, right? So he wants some info from me, and he took me there. Me and him have been um we you know we we've just been I've just had this great amount of respect for each other ever since. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And uh, just one more TV thing. First, Lee, I, jump in as much as you want, bro. Yeah, yeah, show I, with, we do the show together. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure you get tired of talking. I get tired of talking about travel. I'm sure you get tired of talking about your stuff all the time. But uh, 
you, you mentioned auditioning before. I can't imagine you had to audition too much for Chalky White. I mean, that you yes, you were that I role. Did, like, I took myself on tape. That thing was born for you. Oh man, they, thank you. But I did audition for for I had to audition. I I did audition for uh for uh for Chalky White for Boric Empire, and I was actually in South Africa. With, on a on a on a show on NBC called The Philanthropist with uh my buddy James Purefoy. Um ironically that Dominic West and James Purefoy, they always go for the same role because they kinda they fit the same <laughs> wheelhouse. And um I, I that's when I was with James and um I was down there the show was about to I don't think it was gonna get picked up for the next season. So we were already everybody was trying to fish for the next gig. My agent called me go, Hey there's a there's this thing, you know, blah blah blah. You know, Martin Scorsese I'm like, Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, Martin Scorsese is going to hire me on a tape that I'm going to send halfway around the world with all these amazing actors right there in America. Sure. I'm not going to waste my fucking time. <laughs> and um, she called me back a week later like, Mike, don't you at least want to throw your name in the hat to be considered? If you don't get it, at least you can say you tried. I said, all right. So uh, I buy a camera. Nev Campbell, she reads my lines with me. And um, we send it in, uh, yousendit.com. From South Africa, that's awesome, and that's how I booked uh, Boric Empire. But I wanted to ask you, man. So, like, um, when you travel, what is the main thing that you like to um, to experience? I like to experience, you know, whatever there is to experience. But if you can't like see anything, like if you go to Paris, you got to go see the Eiffel Tower. If you go to Rome, you see the Colosseum. You know, but there's stuff hidden behind. So you go out, I like to go to bars and like talk to people. I like to walk the streets and like just ask random people questions. Yeah. Like, you know, I always say, uh, people ne- are afraid to come out of their shells cause they get nervous or they, they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. So sometimes even if I know where I'm going, I'll go and ask people directions and then ask them like, if I know where I'm going to go to dinner, I might ask them like where I should go. You know what I mean? And just to get the feel of the people and get the attitude of the place. And of mm-hmm. course walk around kind of, just get get the feel of the place, but um. But the and, main thing is, is for you is like to find local bars, right? Is that the main thing? Well, just local people. I mean, I just find that a bar is where the people are the most themselves because they're relaxed. Of you course, know, they're just hanging out, Absolutely. you know, like we're doing right now. But I mean, um, you know, walking the streets of a place like New York or Tokyo or Paris or London, you can get the feel of the energy of the city. Mm-hmm. But you don't talk to people, you know. So in order to talk to people, you have to find where people want to talk. Talk and the bar. Yeah. So for bars me, it's the food. Good. Oh, awesome! Yeah. I always like, I, but not like the not the not the you know the touristy. Of course not. I want to go to wherever they say don't go, mm-hmm. and 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 you know eat with the where the where the people are the everyday yeah. working people or whatever part of the world I'm in. I want to find that spot that you got to know a local to know that spot and eat that food, and that's when I know that I've been there. I've been like, okay, I a could place pass. where you get the second look, like. How'd this dude get How'd here? Exactly. Yeah, that's that really, yeah, yeah. Of course, they're dangerous. <laughs> but I, I always take a chance. And, and like to me, but you know, when, when I found a spot in the hood, you know, or where people would that's off the beaten tr- path and where the tourists might go, mm-hmm. and I get a good plate of food, I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel you, man. And what I have in my hand here, I would say, is the international language of beer. Oh, come on. You know, beer, beer, beer and soccer. If you can talk about, <laughs> if you can talk about soccer over a beer, you got everybody's Everybody heart in the bar. Well, especially once you leave America, <laughs> yeah. beer and soccer is yeah. the universal That's language. Yeah. That's all they care the about. Fucking yeah. universal language. It really is. Exactly. Man, so Lee has this dope website. Football. Excuse me. Yeah. Football, yeah. football and beer. Yeah. So Lee. Football. Lee's website is leeabamonte.com. So I'll go on it, and I was in Greece with my girlfriend, and then he's like, oh, 24 hours in Cairo. I'm like, you know what? I need to go to Egypt. No one's coming with me. I'm going to go there alone. So I went to Egypt alone. 
look at the you Jack Dempsey just has the greatest bartenders ever, right? Yeah. So best. So thank you. So Mike, I go there and I literally follow Lee's thing, and all they give a all they give a shit about, yeah. All they give a shit about is talking about, oh, you know this soccer. So they want to talk soccer, and I went right from what Lee said. Lee's like, do this, 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 and this. Stay here. Everything on his site, you do. But I did all. I was there alone. All local shit, like he said, local bar local. with a beer, some soccer match on. They see a white dude. They, oh, you watch football, and that's all they care about. There's no beef, that, and they're so curious about you, more curious than you are about them. It, it's fascinating, yeah, isn't it? That's it's, the thing yeah. that blows your mind. They're yeah. always more curious about you when they see like a Westerner. Like I was wearing, I'm not wearing because I have this fancy dinner I'm going Ooh. to, have, so I'm not wearing a hat. <laughs> but uh, normally I wear a Yankee hat, and they're like, oh. Uh, Los Yankees, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you like baseball? They're like, no, but you know, <laughs> now you start talking. But, you know, I got to tell you this. I was in Cuba and uh, a few months ago, and I had a Yankee hat on, and people just flocked to you and b- baseball, and all they want to do is just say baseball. They're fascinated with of us. But I'm like, no, dude, I want to know about you, and all they care about is us. That's why traveling is the ultimate growth. There's something about New York, though. I swear to God. Oh, like, of course. I swear, it's just something about New York. I think, you know, because, um, you know, we have like a we're like we have mixed opinions in the in the international world right now. How do people respond to us as a country? You know, so sometimes you don't. We like, can do a whole podcast on that. By yeah, the way. You know, sometimes you don't want to really put it out there that you're Amer- American yeah. per se. But this, us, and no, I mean, we travel, right? I mean, it's the truth. I, mean, I don't. I'm, I don't know when the. I don't ever, ever really remember ever saying I'm an American. It's 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 sometimes I'm I'm from New York, or most of the time I'm from Brooklyn. Well, Brooklyn gives I'm you from the, Brooklyn. the cred. I sort of got Brooklyn gives you a cred that you cannot but, deny. But, I think thank God for Jay Z. <laughs> thank God, Jay Z. I swear to you, it's Jay. It's all Jay. I go anywhere. I stand from fucking Brooklyn. I get a fucking pass. And it's God. It's Jay Z. I swear to you, it is. It's the power of Jay. But, it's but so New York, true. New York it? gets a pass. We get a pass. When we say you're from New York City. But anything else? You, 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 you know. it's, it's funny, man. When, whenever people ask me where I'm from, I never say America. I always say New York City. No, 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 you know what? American. I was just. I'm gonna, gonna, I, don't, I don't know if I ever said that. I'm from America. I just got back from vacation. I was in Europe for New York, like, Texas. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Lee, Lee fucking nailed it, Mike. I was just away, and we were online. Like, where are you from? Canada, here, New York. New York. Okay, that's America. And, like, yeah. It's weird, and, though. I didn't, I don't it's know it's New York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. City. We're not from Buffalo or Rochester. No, 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 New York City. Not to be confused, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think you lied to me last time, by the way. And I, I think, you? Yeah, yeah. I already told you. You missed the beginning. He dropped them 6th to 19th on my best friend list because I, I haven't I, seen I, for a few months. What hey, I do to make it up, Mike? No, no, no. no, no. Well, you're here now. That's good. You're doing four hours with me and Lee. You, um... Obama said you were his favorite character, Omar. Did you meet him? Because you never told me last time you met him. Yeah, I did. Why wouldn't you tell me? How, what else do you keep from me? Uh, we we got to save something for next time, right? So wait, tell I me about meeting him. all the first date. I, you know, it, it, that kind of blew your character up. It was high already, but it, yeah. that kind of like exploded you. Like Obama, well, the President Obama said, Omar is my favorite. And I love what he says. He's my favorite character. I don't agree with what he does, but he's my... Yes. But then you met him... Oh, um, well, uh, the the first time I, I met uh, I met uh, uh, President Obama, he was he was Senator Obama. It was in Pennsylvania, uh, and um, I, I wasn't doing well personally. Um, I, I met him, and you know it was very brief. It was after one of his, it was he had given a speech uh, at you know at, in, during the election season, and it was at the um, at the forum in, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. 
Um, the, the, the second time I met him, he was already president. I think he had, it was the second term. And I met him at a fundraiser here in New York City. And like two years, two somewhat years later, again, I was not in the best mental space. And I'm like, how do I meet this fucking guy? I'm just not right. <laughs> Like, what is it with you? you like, every time I fucking, I'm around you, I'm just not right in the head. Like, what is with you and, and, and my fucking head, right? I love that you blame the president it's for you fucking up. I love it. It's his fault. I'm always fucked up when I'm around him. Like, what is this, right? It's fucked up. You know, so, you know, but um, the third time I, I got to meet him was um, I was actually, I got invited to the White House um, with 20 or 20 some odd other people. We, we sat at a room adjacent to the Oval Office, and he came in and he asked each one of us our thoughts on the criminal justice system. And um, that was a turning point for me. You know, you know the first two times, the first time he mentioned uh, me, I, I woke up. up. Up until then, you know, I, I'm not proud of this at all, but I... I was very ignorant, politically speaking. Like, I don't even, I, before Obama, I couldn't really even tell you the last time I voted. And I was not, was not a teenager when Obama went in office. So there was some time that I kind of blanked out from everything that was going. I kind of relinquished my voice and my vote to, to, it does, to, the, to the notion that it doesn't matter. And they're gonna my do vote the doesn't fuck. count. I went there with it. And I was one of those ignorant people. And so, you know, um, I kind of felt like no one's watching me anyway. You know, I could do what the fuck I wanted. If I want to be a fucker, I can be a fucker, right? And so when you had the president of the United States not only acknowledging this show that I'm on, a show like The Wire, and then he kind of singles out my character, it, it, it did two things. One, it made me feel like, wow, someone cares. Because, I mean, if the president of the United States said that The Wire is his favorite show... You you gotta have your ear pretty close to the street, right? Like he he's looking at my community. And then number two, I warranted I did something that warranted the the attention of the president of the United States and did not include jail time for me. Did that blow your mind? That blew my fucking mind. I was not in cuffs. The president, like what? <laughs> like really? The, I'm the pre- I'm on the president's radar. They don't want me for something like like put me in jail. How did this happen? <laughs> Right, I'm the drug addict. Like, how did this happen? Right, I'm not shit. So, so you know, um, it made me grow up. Uh, you know, it made me look at him and start to listen to what he had to say. And you know, he started saying things like, you know, one of the main things I got from President Obama in one of his early speeches was, you know, we, it, yes, we can. With that, with that, what he what he meant when he said that. He can't do it by himself. He's one man. He needs the community. He needs the help of the community. Like, I need your help. I need y'all to assist me in helping you. Tell me what you need. Like, you know, make your local uh, uh, politicians accountable. Everybody can't get to me. I'm not, that's not the way this works. He made me pay attention to the chain of command. and started. I started looking more into my community, to people who I did have access to, and making, holding them accountable. And how can I be a better man? What can I do? I never really asked myself that before President Obama went into office. And then um, the third time I met him, when I went to the White House, um, I left there, you know, this was just on the heels of me doing the whole press campaign for uh, Vice Lands, The Black Market, and HBO's The Night Of. So, So those two shows 
which was one was scripted, one non-scripted, um, on two completely different networks. But because of the topics that they were dealing with, they fell in the same wheelhouse under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. So all the t- all the conversations about these two shows were, "What are your thoughts, Michael K. Williams, on this, on on, on the criminal system, on you know what's going, the the the, 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 the temperature of the of the climate of, of humanity in the world?" And I'm just like, and as I'm like. Well, when I opened my mouth, I realized that I knew more about this shit than I was giving myself credit for. And then I had to ask myself, why? How do I know this shit? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I went to the White House wow. where someone said, well, I think it was Michael Skolnick. He said, well, you know, Michael, how you know this is because what my nephew just said, the ones closest to the problems are usually the one closest to the solution. I was like, oh, well, I'm your fucking guy because I've been close to some fucking problems in my life. I know some problems, right? I know how to do shit wrong. So maybe I, I, I might know an answer to it. And it gave, me, it gave me some encouragement. It gave me some, some self-esteem about what I know about what I've seen in my community. And I do have some answers because I've, I've lived it. I've been around it all my life. I've been visiting prisons since I was 17 years old, visiting friends and family. I know a thing or two. I know how people get there. And it gave me my insight to um, form the documentary that I'm shooting, with H- I'm shooting with Shane Smith for HBO right now. So Obama truly cared. It sounds very silly and very, oh, it's left to right. He cared. He cares I mean, about the fucking community. I, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to act like I have President Obama on speed dial. You know, you oh, know, I was going to call him that. Lee, Lee would that have got us some hits? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> But I will say, you know, whatever he spoke in, in the public eye, whatever he said in those speeches, especially in the early parts of his, of his when he won, it impacted me greatly. Him calling my name out of his, or my character's name out of his mouth shifted me as a man. It made me want to be a better man. It made me want to grow the fuck up, basically, and be accountable and to use my platform for something that would be, in a sense, like appeasing to him. I want to, like, I want to make him proud of the man behind the character, not just the character, because I knew that I wasn't living up to that when he first called my name on it. So he kind of he caught me out without even knowing it. He made me want to, like, live, live up wow. to the hype. Man, all that stuff you just said, I wish you would ad- uh, address a joint session of Congress and tell him to wake the fuck up and do the goddamn job. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's that's an unbelievable attitude, that was man. Intense. That's an unbelievable attitude, and I'm I'm pretty politically inclined, and uh, but I I hate them. I hate everyone. I hate them all. <laughs> like, I, I hate them all. And, but Obama, I you know Obama's this weird like thing for me because I loved Obama. Like I was so proud that he was president. I was so excited when he won. And I think he just got beat down by Congress over the years. Oh, they and, beat the uh, shit know, out of him. Come beat on. the hell out they of him. They beat the shit out of him. And, uh, you know, at the end, I, I just remember thinking to myself, who the hell would ever want to be president of the United States? That is the most thankless job in the world. And it's like, yes. in the end, nothing happens. And and that's that's the problem with politics right now. And and now it's just like on a, a whole other level of ridiculousness. But <laughs> well, 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 you know, it, you know, of, of ridiculous, but a, a necessary. Obviously, it was a necessary ridiculous because we, you know, um, you know, this was the this was the gift and the curse of having the the Obama administration. He was for, he was a peaceful man. He he just he just wanted to do the right thing for our country. Right. And and. This is, I'm speaking, I'm just speaking from my community. I'm going to go out there and just kind of, I know, you know, there was a part of me that, you know, once Obama was in office, it was like, oh, oh, we won. Everything is on the line. <laughs> like, 
you know, I kind of, I you know, I kind of went to sleep, and I think a, I think some people in my community did too. We kind of just like, oh, we racism, you know, it's over, yeah, you know, and then we started seeing the Trayvon Martins and these things happen. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, like well, maybe shit ain't ain't as good as it we thought it was, but and then, you know, it, it wasn't until until the you know. The, the the Trump uh, administration, I really believe, was the major major alarm clock. Was the ultimate alarm clock, you know, where, you know, where Congress, where you know, oh, oh, President Obama had to ride this thin line because he was the first black man. He couldn't be to this. He couldn't be. He had to. There were so many lines he had to walk on. You know, so that because you know it was just he couldn't even give his wife a fist bump dude, without that being it was beyond the line he had to walk right. <laughs> and he also had an agenda, so he wasn't just a a face on a stamp. He really wanted to get in there and do the work. So I mean, they they beat his ass. But in in, in that process, again, I feel like you know I I kind of went to sleep a little bit, and you we saw it when it came time to when we let him lose the house. Mm-hmm. We let that happen on our watch if we were all Democratic. Because everybody that, slept on everybody it. Everybody went to okay. sleep. Obama's done. And now, we, we don't have to vote next next term on, on that, we're good that now. election. We're good. We we're voted good now. Man. And we saw what happened. He lost the fucking house. And then his next two years were sheer hell. So now we have this new administration. <laughs> and we are comp- it's like, like we've been shaking awoke. Like you know when you do baby shaking syndrome? <laughs> we have baby shake syndrome. Now, we've been woken. Yeah, yeah, but don't assume that it's going to be uh, overturned. I mean, who's going to beat him in a couple of years? That's the problem I have. And trust me, I want him to lose. I don't even. I'm not. Even, who's going to beat him? My elevator don't even go that high. I, I, just, <laughs> I swear to God, I, I, it doesn't. I don't, I'm gonna, you I, might I, live on the 40th floor. I, your I, elevator doesn't no, go that high. Doesn't go that high. That's above my pay grade. What your, what your, uh, what that, what you just talked about. Yeah. But what I do see. And what I do take with me and what, what gives me hope are the, the next generation, these young people, they're fucking over it. Like when you see that young lady, Emma. She's from, amazing. And that, and that amazing. young man. Oh, like name in Florida. Yeah. Oh, God, like yeah. They're the future. And it's not just them. It's on Because the, they're on the front lines. You have a lot of young voices in the entertainment field. Like that young that young girl from Blackish and Grownish, y- Yardy, I kept the Muslim sister. Like there's a lot of, it's the kids. It's like I'm with the kids right now because they're the voice and they're sick of it and they're like, we are under un, over my dead body. Well, Mike and Lee, when you we know, grew I'm up, with Lee, them. when we grew up, I'm it wasn't them. cool to be political. Like it, it, that was the anti. You don't want to be political. And no now it, it is. Cool. Yeah, now it's like now it's in cool. Thing. Like it's hey, the in thing. And these I want to talk about politics. And I want to speaking out. And it started with the with the Baltimore riots. Those those were kids. Now because you, you those went were ba- fucking kids, you, and I'm I'm like you know they was like you know no justice, no fucking peace. Yeah. Now does that bring you back? Is that so? We're gonna go back to I'm gonna try to bring it all the way back. Is that why that? Omar character is the most proudest character you have because you actually had an impact on the president of the United States. Does that make him your most proudest character you played? Um, no. Could you play who else? No, that you know. Um, oh, um, the reason why I'm, I'm most proud of Omar is because that's probably out of all my characters the the most he was most written unapologetically. David Simon and Ed Burns created that character. With not one, one fucks to give. He was a crusader, a vigilante. They didn't give a fuck what yeah. you thought about Omar. They wrote him honestly, and and unequivocal. They did un- They did no explanation. This is who and what he was, and he was a he was a bag of walking contradictions, and it was an unapologetic for the contradictions, which is what I think we should all be. We're all 
conflict, conflict, have conflictions, and we, you know, we have complicated. We're so complicated. We put on our faces because we all want to fit in. All my give two fucks. We thought about him, and he was written that way, and he lived out loud, and he was the most purest, the most honest character. I one of the most I've ever played in my and and, and vulnerable. I don't think I've been that vulnerable in a character since like the road. Like those very, very vulnerable and raw and honest and open and just like, this is who the fuck I am. You know, no mis- no apologies, <laughs> no explanations. This is who I am. And, and um, yeah. How about a role you passed on? Give me one role you fucked up with. Like, oh, I passed on blank. There has to be one. Three billboards. <laughs> Which, and I actually just saw that movie on the it plane. Wasn't, it Africa. wasn't by choice. It was because of scheduling, and I, I, I I'm still kicking myself in that because <laughs> I knew, I knew when I read the script, it was, it was a winner. <laughs> I knew it. I knew Why it. were you so early? I'm yeah, I literally just. Away. I knew it was a winner, but it was, I was over. It was scheduling, and we tried every fucking thing. But, but I had to I had to turn it down because I was already committed to another job. Dude, oh. I, saw, I saw that three days ago. I knew days that ago. was going to sting. Which role would it have been? It's been a few years that I don't remember, but it, <laughs> trust me when I tell you, it was, um, it was yeah. Dude, three billboards slipped in my fucking hands, man. I'm still. Was it a good movie, Lee? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it wasn't like the. T- you know, Did he I fuck up by not going in it? It was a good movie. He fucked up. It's, it's a, a great. Yeah, any, man. Any, any, any like, movie, I mean, any movie where Woody Harrelson's playing a redneck. Well, Woody's is my a good brother. <laughs> Woody's my fucking brother. I love that dude. He's a but, great fucking uh, actor. I'm, an, I'm Francis. Uh, I forget her last. Francis. <laughs> Francis McDonald, huge fan of hers. Um, Sam Rockwell. We had just worked together on this this Apple. Project this um um Apple project with the with the with the infamous and incredible Dr. Dre at the at the at the helm of of Paul Hunter. It's called Vital Signs, and Sam Rockwell and I we play um these uh characters inside Dre's head. It would tell him you know like you know different sides of his personality. It's not been released yet, but um so no you know I was just like <laughs> fuck how did I not feel on a mystery billboard? Non release shit. Are you playing ODB in a Wu Tang movie? What's up? Uh, we with were that? we were um we were that was like. It fell I mean, out. Yeah, oh. yeah. It was. It was. Um. It was due to. God, uh, Wu Tang is the only thing I can talk about with you is Wu Tang. Old want... school. Yeah. 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 But, but Lee, how cool was Wu Tang growing dude, up? I saw them come play on. at college, man. They played in Maryland one. Yeah. Uh, one time. Oh, did they really? Awesome, dude. Dude, I, I remember. I used to. I lived on Staten Island. I used to go to Wu Wear. Come on, Wu Wear. Of course, guys. I used to go to Wu Wear. I had the white hat. The Wu Wear. I had. I'll never forget. I had the yellow one. Yes. With the netting on the side. Here's how corny I was. You ready for this one? Now we're gonna go blue wear shit. I mean, you are wearing a Hulkamania t-shirt right now, so <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. that is the coolest yeah, shit I've ever the done. Coolest shit. Thank you. <laughs> so growing up in Staten Island, it was like corny. I remember like my best friend was like, "Dude, this this band, ah, uh, this band, this yo Wu Tang, Wu Tang, and this Method Man." So I'm like, "Ah, uh, I wasn't a big music guy." I'm like, "It's kind of cool." And it's like, "Yo, Tikal, Shallon." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, Tikal." So I'm like, "Oh, what do we? What, what do you do?" It's like, "Dude, they have a store blue wear." My parent, I'll never forget. My mom drives me down there. She's like, "Mike, it's a bad neighborhood. I'll be right in front." And I ran inside, and like the store was really, really nice. It was nice, and it was down by Jersey Street. It was like a bad neighborhood, but the store was nice because mm-hmm. they wanted like white dudes to go in there and buy shit. Yeah. I had like the Wu Wear socks. I'll never forget. Like I played basketball wearing the high Wu Wear socks. I was on, so hard. it was horrible. That was, the, that was the shit back in the day. It was though. like you wearing the MC Hammer pants. No, it was so- no, it had Wu Wear on it. It Wu Wear was way more acceptable in the hood than the, than the Hammer. The Thirty Six Chamber shit. How cool was that? Thirty Six Chamber was icon. That's like a hip hop. So classic. that fell out. So no Wu Tang. Uh, no, it, well, first of all, the movie wasn't based on Wu Tang. It was based on on ODB, and it was based on his relationship with his manager J- Jared. I forget, um, forget Jared's last name. And um, Jared was a kid who 
was a hustler. You know, New York City kid was a hustler, and he knew he had a, he had a gift of gab, and he um he kind of hustled his way into ODB's life and and leveraged uh, an opportunity at VH1, and that 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 little leveraging turned into a friendship and a and a and a and a, and a business relationship that was really a blessing in ODB's life. So it's a, it's it's a it's a story of friendship, but um we we were almost there and um and it's also a story about about the man behind the man cuz you know um as us as artists and entertainers in this business, we all have a, pers- a public persona and then there's the person behind the persona like, you know, we all know never to believe what we see from people like in my line of work out there on the red carpet and in the media. That's that's 90%, you know, fictitious it's just you know the person you know in the household that's the real person and um so it told that story and old old you know rusty as his mother refers to him he was dealing with a lot of personal issues you know there was mental illness there was as we know about the addiction you know and there was a, a lot of uh business um uh um uh uh like shen- shenanigans going on yeah. shenanigans he wanted he he did you know people didn't know that that odb's favorite band Rage, rage against the fucking machines. Mm-hmm. Who would have thunk it? You know, that's what that, yeah! That, that, was, that was him. That was him. His, it's one of my favorite bands, inner, by the way. His inner rock, his inner rock star. Oh, you know, that, yeah, yeah, yeah! That's him. Really is that you doing rage? Star, was that huh? you doing rage? That's a good, no, that's that's a good Zach impersonation, by the way. <laughs> that's me doing ODB doing rage, oh, right? One more question about a character, uh, okay? Yeah. I just finished a book, and my friend Dana's here. I just finished a book, the Rick Ross book. Did you play Rick Ross in yes, I did. Kill a Messenger? Because I played the, my the, girlfriend the saw Rick it. Ross. Yeah, no, yeah, obviously the real one. Yes, sir. My girlfriend saw uh, saw the movie. I read the book, so I read the books, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, you got to." She goes, "Kill the Messengers. You got to see this." You played Rick Ross in that. Yeah, the book, the book you're referring to is Cracking the System. Yes. Yeah, it's an amazing book. Incredible. And um, you know, he is. Talk about a charismatic human being. I mean, the, the person, the not the drug dealer, the the person. You know, um, he is just Rick Ross is one of those people. Had he, you know, which is again why I started my production company and and my non my nonprofit organization. When you look at someone like Rick Ross, had he been given the proper opportunities, he could have very easily have been President Ross. Like like that. That's the mentality. I mean, his heart. How he, you see the work he's doing now in his life post his prison sentence. All he does is service in the community. You know, he turned himself to read in there. You talk to him, he's one of the most mild mannered, kind human beings. He came off humble in the book. Is he humble in real life? He's humble. His name is so heavy. And for him, because he was a businessman. He, he, but yet illiterate. He, illiterate, illiterate. And he, and the, 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 to the level of which he built that empire, the amount of math and diplomacy he had to have had to not get murdered on those streets of Compton and to, to have risen to that level of drug, you know, high, you know, level in drug. I mean, it was, um, it spoke volumes to his mindset and to his, his spirit, you know, um, and I, I got a chance to meet him. He's really a humble human, human being. And, um, He's great, and we can learn a lot from someone like him. But that's that was that was just that's a perfect example of you know um, missed opportunity, wasted man, talent, wasted talent. But it, you know he's, he's he's doing the right thing with it now. But God, had he in his heyday, had he been given a chance to. That, this man graduated high school and was was had he had a tennis scholarship 
on the table. And when they found that he was illiterate, all of that went away. I, yep. He was left in Compton with no money, no education, no job opportunities, and a bag load of crack cocaine. Not why did you do that? What the fuck would you do? If that was your if that was your reality, we, we, Lisa, sounds on. like Sweepy. Yeah. Oh God, Lee, did you read that? You got How much money was he making a week? Or was a month? How much? It's it's a little like it's like a million dollars a week in, in, in the in the heyday. He, 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 like I cash, a million dollars a month. Yeah, a it week was an cash. empire. Sounds like Escobar, man. Yeah, yeah, it was. It I was. Mean, he was the black Escobar from California. I mean, he was getting it right off, right from the government. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that book is government. fascinating. All right. Before we, I know we've been doing it for like 50 minutes. You have another three hours with me. Yes, but yes. <laughs> no, we're going to hit three. How about three serious things? Yes. I mean, here's your idea. Yeah, no, come on. Now take it easy on me. That's not one fair. more. One man up. One more. Share with me. All right. You ready, Mike? Up, really? <laughs> really, Mike? Okay. Because there's three serious things we're going to talk about because we had fun for the last 50 minutes. My radio, I guess, icons, Opie and Anthony. You were on Opie's show. Mm-hmm. And I remember it and I tried to make a note of it. Did you the dude who sliced you? Did you what's the story? Did you meet him or did you see him at a party? What was the story you told them? Because I remember when I heard that story, I'm like, I gotta make note to talk about the dude who slashed you, who like who gave you the infamous scar. I don't know if you know you had a, a scar on your face. And I heard about that. Yes, yeah, someone told someone me. Told me I had a scar on no, my but face. then I, did you tell Opie that you saw the dude? Yeah, what's the story? I, I, I want. I, I don't. Did. Fuck. I wish I would have did better I research. Don't normally, um, talk about this. So after. I got cut in my face. I didn't. I, this dude was a complete stranger, and um, it was just wrong place at the wrong time for me. Uh, a friend of mine, this young lady, she was known to uh, put that work in, if you know what I mean. <laughs> she comes to me. She goes, um, you know, my mom told me to come see you. Her and her mother, they had a uh, a business. <laughs> going on that I used to sometimes work for the mom here and there. So the mother sends the daughter to come talk to me. And um, the daughter says, I'll do this on the strength that my mother likes you. She says, um, just get me a picture of this dude and an area that he is known to be in, and I'll take care of the rest. Lo and behold, I found a, I got a Polaroid picture of this dude, and I found an area that he was um, shacked up because I think the dude came from Queens, right? And um, I never gave that picture or the information to this person because I didn't want the blood on my hands. Wow. And I let it go. Years later... Me and these dudes from Jersey, I used to drive every Friday to to, to Newark. Not my brothers in in on Isabella. I'm talking about this is way before I even knew them. Um, I used to meet meet up with these dudes. They all lived in one big house, like a frat, that fraternity kind of thing. But they were all working men, and I used to just like to go hang out with these dudes and get drunk and like you know bar hopping in Newark. It was just you know. Different. We didn't have that kind of culture in Brooklyn. And this went off like about a year, two years. I forgot how I met, I even forgot how I met these dudes. Right? I think it was through a, through a female. And um, I just took, I took a liking them. I just, just go to Jersey and just drink with these dudes on the weekend. One Friday I get there, <clears throat> and the main dude who I used to go check, 
He's like, yo, Mike, have a seat in the living room. I'm getting dressed. I'll be right there. I'm like, I bet. So by this time, I done knew where the whole house. I knew because they used to have cookouts, and it was like they, they was always have it was always something going at this crib, right? So everybody was over there. So you know, I'm sitting in the living room chilling, and he goes, "Oh, Mike, come meet my cousin real quick, right?" I said, okay, so I go back to the back room, and the cousin is sitting there with basketball shorts on. So he goes, "Mike, this is so and so, so and so. This is my boy, Mike." And I look at the dude, and I'm like, <laughs> the dude goes, hey, how you doing? I, I, I'm like, boy, you don't remember me? Oh. He says, no. I, I said, oh, all right, nah, don't worry about it. Okay. And I go, and I sit in the living room. And I remember, like, hearing, it was you know, basically a voice in my head telling me to go get a butcher knife and stab him to death. Like, I can remember hearing that, like, some said, go get the knife out the kitchen. You know exactly what drawer it's in. You know the one that you cut, chop the onions with. Go get that one and stab him to death while he's off guard, right? And I remember sitting in the living room. I'm like, this is not who I am. I don't know. How, what do I do? I said, I never had these thoughts before. I'm like, what the, the fuck? And I started, like, shaking. And I just got, I got so scared of myself. I've never ever felt that kind of um, rage. I think that's what else other word I couldn't call it. It was just utter rage. And it was dark and it was very evil. I had never felt that before in my life. And I got up and I ran out that house and I got in my car and I mean, I bawled crying and I hightailed it back to Brooklyn. <clears throat> and I never, I never went back over there again. Yeah. And ironically, he, um, I never, um, the, the friend, he died a year later. He, they found him murdered a year later in his car. They found him murdered oh a year later. Oh, my God. After that, that, I never went back to that house, and a year later, they found him murdered. But, um, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was the extent of, of and, that. Oh, my, holy shit. Yeah, man. And that brings the podcast to a screeching halt. So, uh, oh, my God. All right. Lee, you want to try to bring it back for me? Uh, I feel very white right now. Yeah. <laughs> but this is, but no, I mean, no, but you, honestly. He nailed it because this you know is out of my environment. Honestly. Like, I don't even know what to say. You, yeah. you know, you know, you know what? You people always right look at my scar and they're like, dude, you know, oh, wow. Especially, you know, like. The, the opposite sex that's a sexy scar or that scar is really cool and blah 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 I'll cut myself right and, now if chicks think it's hot I, I totally <laughs> I totally am a firm believer of this you know karma right and I believe I mean come on I've, this could have keloid I could there's so many things could have gone wrong with this but I truly believe dude if it was like one centimeter to the left lost the eye but you yeah. know later for the eye people don't I wear a beard for a reason this this one stops in my juggler yeah, it was the same fight he oh cut, he, he was trying to kill me right so um, I really believe had I sought to retaliate I believe that the karma from that would have would have completely um, shifted this reality. I don't think I'd be sitting here today. I don't think I'd have this life. I don't think I would have this compassion for my community. I think I'd be a much darker and and because um, you you would have been on the bad side. I'd have been out of yeah. You would been on the bad side. You know, I believe to deliberately, I had a chance to to to, to 
I just it just wasn't um that's not in me. It's not it was my mom's enraged that was not in me. I don't know how to How old were you when that happened? It was twenty uh, well, this happened on my twenty fifth birthday, so when this this I was like twenty seven. Oh my god. Instead of twenty eight, like two, three years after the fact. You know, still, still Holy background shit. dancing. Wow. All right, I'm gonna have one other question for you, a serious one. Yeah. You you pick what you want to talk about because it's two. We're not gonna go too deep because we're trying to. We had fun for 55 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you want to talk about either black market with the the gun sales, or do you want to talk about night of with family members in jail? Night of. Okay, mm-hmm. you did a night of, and you had to film in jail. That's a great you, show, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, great sorry, I, sorry, thank Mike, you, I thought it was talking to me. <laughs> now, Mike, you and I have spoken a gazillion times. We both had families, quote unquote, in the system. My brother's been in and out of jail. I've had other family members in jail. When I had to do work stuff that involved jail, it always rips at me. It's like, fuck, my brother was here. My brother spent Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's here because of drugs. You had family members in there while filming Night of, and I promise the last serious thing we're going to. Did that like leave you like you left it like uh or was it like ah, I'm playing a part? No, the the, the Freddie on the night of uh, really uh, uh, fucked my head up. I, I you know the fact that Freddie was a um, uh, he you know he was an addict didn't didn't help my situation at, at all. I, I I definitely slipped down a rabbit hole um, shooting that show. Um, I, I based Freddie. Everything that was good and inherent and and enlightened about Freddie, I based it on my nephew Dominic, who was incarcerated while I was filming that. And um, it, you know, Steven Zellian, he created such a realistic environment for us actors that I, I got a glimpse into the twenty years that my nephew nephew's life was like on the other side of that wall when we left the visiting room. And it, um, you know, it just, um, it was a very, very, very painful process, you know, because I love my nephew, right? But the main thing that fucked my head up was we, we shot the night of in Yonkers. And, you know, you've got to take the, the FDR to the Deegan. You go, to go up that route. They almost verbatim the same exact route to go see my nephew every morning it was like, okay, this is the route, you know, me and his twin brother would take to go visit him. And I'm like, this, how does this happen? Like, how, do, how, how did I get here? How did I get, you know, like, so many things could have deterred this reality. How did I get here? And then, you know, um, it did, you know, it was like art imitating life. And um, it was uh, surreal for me. And then the fact that Freddie was an addict, and we just in this, you know, it was cold. We shot it in a very dark, in a very remote area of Yonkers. It was, um, I just, you know, I look at my nephew Dominic, man, and anybody who spent time in prison that comes out with their light still on, I, I was on a fucking set and I, I almost drowned, right? I don't know how people, like I look at my nephew who did 20 years in prison and came out, and my cousin, who did 24 years in prison, and they come out, and the only way you could tell they was in prison is if they told you. Educated, well-spoken, good-spirited, happy, smiling people. I'm like, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> I'm like, 
I was ready to slip my wrist on the set. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was just sitting on my couch watching that show. I thought it was pretty cool, you know? Thanks for one-upping me because my brother only did a few months. Thanks for pulling the whole 20 years bullshit. Thanks, Mike. I guess you want to one-up. The, the well-spoken part, I'm going to tell you something. Um, Damien Eccles came on the show. And we spoke about him earlier. Yes, sir. Uh, wrongfully convicted of murder. Spent 19 years on death row. The famous documentary, Paradise Lost. Crazy. And I'll never forget. Like We're talking, and I'm like, hey, I have to cut you off. You're so well-spoken. It's I'm going to sound ignorant saying it. Like, oh, you don't. And, and, and he's like, no. He's like, yeah. There's a such thing as called institutionalized. Yeah. People come out with a mindset and a dialect that, you know, it's like it's inbred in them. Especially when you go in young with my nephew. My nephew went in 18 years old. My cousin went in at 14. And they and the only way you could tell they, they spent the majority of their life Incarcerated is that they told you mm-hmm. no other signs, and I, I mean that's a blessing because there is a such thing as being institutionalized. There is it's conditioning. It's going either way. It's either going to be a revolving door, or you're going to go out and and, that, and that's it's sad and it's scary. And you know, you mentioned the addiction part, and that's how huge bond is. My family's addiction and mine and, and your addiction. And we yes. talked about it. And it's like, oh my god, these addicts. Like my brother needed. Rehab, not jail, over and over and over again. And that was our big point last time, just about like, hey, yeah, he fucked up. He did whatever. He did heroin again. Like, you have to go jail for three months. Let's get him into rehab for 90 days. Not to, there's, no, there's no rehab in jail. No, 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 no. Well, that's the thing that people often mistake, right? Jail versus rehab. That's it. It should be rehabilitation, especially for that, because it's not a crime to be an addict. It's, yeah. It shouldn't it's, be a it's crime. A, it's, a, it's, it's an addiction. Public it's like sorry, it's you, you, you failed the drug test. But you have a job, you have to go to jail. It's like, whoa, but he, he had a job. It's like, oh. You, you look at other countries, how they treat addiction, and they treat it like a mental health issue, like you just said. And that's why some of the, a lot of the jails are overcrowded. I mean, we can get into, like, you know, jailing people for marijuana and stuff like that. Lee, but that's I mean, what we talked about. Like, yeah. we, we talked about that last time. It's like, whoa, dude, the dude's smoking weed on the corner. And now they want to legalize it. But, you know, you can't, how can you, you know, before we even think about that in New York City, you know, I really think we need to take a look at, you know, turning over all those convictions <laughs> people they ha- they'd have to right you I mean, ha- yeah they'd have to this and you know that'll be show number three <laughs> all right we're gonna end with five good questions okay. and lee whenever you want to jump in you jump in you ready right. five good questions first of all i'm worried about you this isn't a question i used to go to direct to you i would text you mike when are we doing the show mike what's up mike's how's this now i text you and all of a sudden my phone rings i'm like hello this is michael's uh agent who is she who is you? When did Michael K. Williams get an agent? Lee, no, he's big time, no, and he's no, big no, time. No, 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 wait, 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 Lee, Lee, Mike. that's what I said. Listen, Lee, I text him. Listen, I'm gonna tell you a story now. I text him on Saturday. I'm like, hey, what's up? Let's link up next week. He calls me. He's like, yo, you want to link up Monday? I'm like, Monday it is. He's like, hit me up Sunday, right, Lee? Sunday, I'm like, I'm watching the uh, who played Sunday? Chelsea versus Man U. And I text him. I'm like, hey, Mike, let's uh, let let's link up tomorrow. My phone rings. I'm like, hello. And it's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, hey, what's up? Can I help you? He's like, I'm, um, I'm Mike's uh, agent. I'm like, who? He's like, yeah, he wants to know. Who the f- now, I'm not going to go to no agent. Mike, you know who that was? You know who that was spoke to? Who I speak to? My nephew, Dominic. <laughs> the one who was in? Who just came home? I got me okay, I didn't know that, so you hired him. I got to give him a job. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? I could show you the help. He needed a gig. It was a, a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> okay, you know okay. I'm going to start doing that, man. I'm going to have my assistant in the Philippines fucking return That's my text to you. <laughs> no, Mike, answer the phone. You can answer the phone. Is this someone cool? No, no, this is my brother. I'll call you right back. We got to talk. I got, I got something I got to talk to you about. I got a major project for you. 
call you back. All right, Mike has a major project for me. Or all right, we're gonna finish up right now. You ready, Mike? No, 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 not right now. Five quick questions. Yeah. Any memorabilia from any set that you kept? Omar's trench coat. Dude, that shit's money, man. You have it? Mm-hmm. All right. Starstruck. Dude, that could Talk- be in like Planet Hollywood somewhere, man. That's badass. I actually want to put it in the uh, the, the the museum in DC. The uh, the the this the Smithsonian. Smithsonian. American. Oh, really? We don't have that. I don't think they have a wire. A wire uh, display in the in the museum. And honestly, I mean, thinking back on the show, that's the only piece of clothing that I could even remember. So, the, the I mean, and, and the slick yeah. pajamas. Right? I gotta watch. I never watched it yet. Oh, I, I told you the only. All right, you right? You haven't seen the wire. All right, when you, I'm gonna tell you a funny story, dude. If you haven't well, seen Dana, the wire, I'm jealous because you have like five amazing seasons to watch. I know. Yeah, so my, yeah, hold on. Yeah, I guess Dana's I doing her own interview. Um, <laughs> so I'm, uh, we can't tell how we met, but we met, and I did actually. Liam, I tell you this. I don't know if I told you. I didn't know who he was. And my one buddy's like, yo, you know who that is? I'm like, no, my like, dude, let's just go. He's like, yo, that's that's Omar. I'm like, and he told me his name was Michael. He's like, yo, that's, I'm like, his name is Michael Kenneth? He's like, no, guy, that's fucking Omar. I'm like, guy, who is he? He goes, dude, Google him. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, sir, I have a podcast? I didn't know who he was. So Lee, I didn't know who he was. And I told myself, I'm like, you know what? I got to I gotta watch this Wire show. So I'm like, all right. I never got around to it. And now all of a sudden he's like, yo, I'm going to come on your show next week. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I got to Google him. The only thing I ever watched ever to this day is you on Anthony Bourdain's show doing – Oh, wow. That was the, the coolest shit. That was the coolest shit. On show? Oh, dude, that was the coolest shit. I did the last one before he went to CNN. Yes. yes. Yeah, the last one. The Brooklyn one. one. Yeah, and yeah. the coolest shit about that, I watched every Bourdain one. He's my top three dream interviews. And the coolest shit is you're walking down Brooklyn – and every other show is like, oh, let's go to this deli. And everyone's like, oh, shit. Like, people run over to you. Like, that's the coolest Honest, episode. Honestly, it may look like they, they were running up for him. It was the oddest fucking oh, thing. The, the, the white dude in The white dude in my fucking projects. <laughs> I swear to you, Mike, I wouldn't even. I, it, it was so humbling. I'm like, the kids were like, hey. I'm like, I was like oh, come on, you He said, no, not you. Yeah. <laughs> we, want, we watch him. Again, my dear. I want to talk to you. <laughs> All right, Anthony. That, that, that was question one. Question two: Have you ever been starstruck or tongue-tied meeting a person? Yeah. Who? Prince. That's okay, cool. that's I a met, good answer. I met Prince at South by Southwest, and so I'm um, speaking there in two weeks, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah be, be careful. They get a little, little, little crazy out there. But um, <laughs> well, I ain't Prince, but I mean, <laughs> no, that means no. The locals, it gets a little, it gets a little lively out there. It's like, but be careful. But uh. He had did, he had performed and um is one of his dancers is a good friend of mine and um no 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 but anyway uh, so she, she takes it backstage and it was you know because it was a bus it was like it was on this tour bus so she goes to wait right here she goes inside and then um they come back to the bus door and he's looking down because he's you know he never came off the bus and he's looking at me and you know, I, I had this whole thing that I was going to tell him. Like what he meant to me, what he meant, what what the what Purple Rain, the album and the movie meant to me, and all like. Oh, you choked! I choked, and, oh. and and he looked at me. He goes, and she goes, "You know him? He from the Y. He oh, from the Y." <laughs> he, he squinted his eye. He looked at me. He goes, "Oh yes, yes, I know him now. I recognize him oh. now." He's about this big. Yeah, but he was standing <laughs> over because he was on the bus. I was on the ground. And he looks at me, says that, and um, 
that was it. And obviously, and it, and it was one of the person that got starstruck and tied tongue. But me? No, oh, oh no, no. It was well, it was President Obama. I, I did get. I got the first time. Yeah, I was like, the first time we get it, Mike. You met him a lot. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know who that time. happened to me for? Mick Jagger. Oh, wow. I didn't even know what to say, man. Like legit starstruck? Yeah, I was like, Bleh, you know. It like, happens, was Mike. You fucking just, your tongue just go. I mean, Mick Jagger, man, you know. Fucking Mick Jagger. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Have you ever been mistaken for a different actor? Ha. <laughs> 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 okay, I got to get this story, right? <laughs> so. Just, I love that there's supposed to be like one answer. Like, <laughs> a boop. I love no, that yours go in. It's, I love a, it. it's a running joke between me and this other actor, right? I'm in a fucking Foot Locker, right? And um, we're looking. We're at a stop. A so- I want to buy some socks. Right, stands socks. Right. So the stand, the, the, the actual thing you know is roll. It, it's like one end of the table to here. So <laughs> basically, I can hear everything that you're saying if I didn't know you right there. Right. So it's two people. It's a couple, and they're like, "I'm telling you, that's him. That's him. I'm telling you, that's him. That ain't him. That's him. That's him." So I, I hear every fucking word, right? So what do I do? I keep looking for my fucking socks, right? I get my socks. So I look over there. I'm like, I, I see a, a salesperson. like, yo, let's go to this. Get me, wrap me up, bro. I'm going to get out of here, right? So he goes, come to this register. So he walks to the register. He goes, the nerve of them. See, I know who you are. You're an amazing actor. You were amazing in Hotel Rwanda. I said, give me my fucking <laughs> Can't lick this yeah. up. Another time at a Whole Foods, right? <laughs> the chick is ringing up my stuff. She goes, I know I know you, but I ain't got time to figure it out right now. Who are you? Before I can open my mouth and answer, the bag, the backpack boy on the on the aisle behind her, he comes up behind her, dumb bitch, it's DMX. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit, can't make this up. Can't make this up. Wow. The morning, the morning that I was going to the White House, right? I was decked out, had my suit and tie on, feeling like a million bucks. So I stopped to have a breakfast of champions, my egg McMuffin for McDonald's with cheese, because you know what you have when you go into the White House. You have a nice I'll egg move. McMuffin, right, with cheese. So I'm on the line. I'm like, I'm going to see the fucking president today. This chick turns around. You Don Cheetah. No, come on. <laughs> you were great in Ocean's no. Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so I called Don. I said, Don, I can't take it no more. Everybody thinks I'm you. <laughs> he goes, yeah, imagine my world. They, I'm getting Fred Metal the fuck over here. <laughs> Tim Meadows. I'm fucking Tim Meadows. I'm like, we can't win. Between DMX and fucking, I believe it, yo, the most, DMX and Don Cheeto is like, it's like, it's any given Sunday, like, but one, one fucking day, I was at the, what's the concert, the Rock the Bells, that the, the, the old school concert over there at Randall's Island every summer? No, 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 it's all hip hop, all the classic hip hop, it's, I think it's called Rock the Bells Tour, it's in the back of Randall's Jingle Island Ball? every summer, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on a, anyway, I'm, I'm backstage, right, it's season one of The Wire. So I see Flavor Flav. So I'm like, yo, me and AL was together. AL can contest to this, right? So, yo, A, I said, I want to get a picture with, with Flav, man. I, come on, man. That's public enemy. Yo, fight, fight the power, yo. And a picture with Flav. So I 
could also play, you know, before I could even say I'm old off the wire with a picture. Now, dude, I got my kids with me. I got to go. I'm, he, tried to, he tried to get in this car to get out of there, right? They just got off stage. So he kind of just shot me down. I'm like, you know, womp, womp. So I'm like, oh, well. So I'm standing there, right? So I'm like, we watching. We backstage watching, waiting for the next, the next uh, act to go on. So AL says, yo, Mike, they go flavor give me. Maybe try to catch him now. Maybe he, he might be in a better. I said, no, no, just... He done hurt my feelings once to rest. I ain't <laughs> asking Flav no more for no more goddamn pictures. So I'm sitting there. So he Flav walks behind me, and I can see him going towards the exit to my right, walking past me, gone, right? Boom. I turn my head to watch wait for the stage. This guy knows somebody come and grab me and hug me up and come around my body and they put their face in my chest and he's hugging me so tight. And like, yo, I met your dude. I'm like, what the fuck? I said, oh, shit, this flame. <laughs> right? She's like, yo, you all right? You all right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, Flav, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I just, you know. He goes, man, listen, yo, I've been trying to reach you. Have you been trying to reach me? He said, yeah, could I have a working number on you now? Because the last number had didn't work for you. I'm like, now nah, I know I ain't gave Flav my motherfucking name. Boy, I said, Flav, you, you. This this Omar o- Omar from the Wire. He said, like, "God damn it, kids! You told me this was X over here." No, come on, come on. And he walks away. No, no, I can't no. make this up. He walks away. It should have been like, "You sucked in New Jackson." Go around to beat the your ass. Your ass. <laughs> oh, that was Chris Rock. <laughs> Yeah. These are the longest five questions ever. I'm sorry. No, that's good. These yeah, are great stories. Yeah, question. <laughs> okay. Oh. Coolest person in your phone that if you texted now, they would text you right back. Erica Badu. Oh, all right. So my next guest is Erica Badu. <laughs> Erica Badu. If I texted her right now, I, she would probably answer. If she's not in the studio mm-hmm. or tending to her family, she would answer my text back. All right. So she'll call my show next. Okay. Within minutes. My, before my last question. You have to tell everyone here. You can make it quick. And by the way, shout out to my sister Erica Badu. It's her birthday today. I love you, Queen. Happy birthday to the, to the legendary Erica. Erica Badu. Happy birthday, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, is there any sweet talking? Yeah, what's up, baby girl? Now, right now, my girlfriend right now is when she edits this. Who's this bitch, Erica? Erica Badu. Oh, she's done. She's Erica. done. Erica. My girlfriend's like the hottest Filipino girl ever. She's gonna kill her. Okay, before we get to the last question, please just tell everyone here because no one's heard it. The Tupac weed story. Because this is my favorite story you tell. Okay. All right. Come on. We were on the set of Just Bullet. the fact that you smoke weed with Tupac is fucking awesome. Wait, wait listen wait. to Spoiler yeah, lately. Listen what happens lately. So I'm on the set with Tupac. I'm playing a little brother in this movie called Bullet. And I was, um, well, let's just say I was a little smitten with, with Tupac Shakur, right? And I was like, damn, I got to get to know this dude, man. I got to I gotta at least say... I smoked a blunt with Tupac Shakur. I can't. This movie can't rap, and I didn't get to say that I smoked some weed with Tupac fucking Shakur. I can't go back home and, and say I was with Pac and didn't smoke weed with Pac. You know, the fuck? So I said, well, how do you go about asking Tupac Shakur to smoke weed with you? I said, oh, I got it, Mike. I'm going to come to work tomorrow with some weed. <laughs> But I'm going to conveniently forget to bring the L or the Dutch, right? And I'm going to go to him, and he's going to have a Dutch. 
And he's gonna, I'm gonna say, well, you know, would, would you want to smoke some weed with me? And then we smoke some weed because who wouldn't want to? Who doesn't want to smoke free weed, right? You know? So the next, you got day, this whole planned out. I had it planned out, <laughs> planned out, kind of manipulation, right? If I get there the next day, I got my weed, no blunt, right? We don't want to have that. You know? So we'll go, and he's, I go to his trailer between takes, and he's in there having a very heated discussion because you can hear it, his voice blaring through the fucking trailer. Not an argument, just a heated discussion. So I knock on him. Mr. Tupac, <laughs> it's your co-star Mike, man. You know, the question. He opened the door. What? <laughs> I said, um... Would you, you, would you happen to have an extra blunt? I ain't got no blunt. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> he slammed that door so quick. I was so hurt. I was so hurt. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Wait, but door my face. Wait, but like, so when you left your house that morning, you had weed on you, and you're like, I'm going to go smoke weed. It's I'm a dude from Brooklyn. Who wore the Bobby Brown spandex pants, the tight um, the tight top to match the it, the tight tank top? I wore the MC Hammer pants. Yes. I fucking made it. I'm about to smoke weed with, with Tupac, Tupac Shakur. Fucking Shakur. I get around. I'm gonna smoke weed and me- I get around. Now Tupac let me ask you this: I, I don't think anyone's ever asked you this. What? Are you thinking in the back end? Don't lie to me. I'm gonna smoke weed with him. He's gonna be a funny dude, and me and Tupac gonna start hanging. Like, did you think more? Of course. Yes, that's- in my mind, that's what it's like. We were, he was gonna get, take this my number. He, I was gonna bring to my fucking hood. Are you kidding me? I was gonna cook spaghetti and meatballs he, he was, for him. He was gonna replace Omar Epps from the juice. You yeah, know, like, oh, I, was I was the new guy. I was definitely gonna you be. You leave these situations no, like. We were gonna be best friends, bro. BFFs, in my mind. Like, this is what happened to me. I, I interview people. I'm like, you know what? I'm interviewing so and so. And then as I'm walking here from my apartment, I'm like, this dude's gonna like me. And they seem like, bro, let's hang out. And I'll tell you one who, who did this. I think you know him, Rohan Marley. That's my bro. So he's my. The you. The dude and a half. And I got to tell you who's coming on the show. So the, You're joking me, right? You know Rohan. He's Joseph. mad He's mad that you're here, by the way, because he want, I told him you were coming. Rohan Marley. Well, he's probably not in the fucking country. Yeah, he's in Mexico. That's why I know he's not here. Rohan Marley, Joseph I, Jay Electronica, Ray Lewis, and myself, we, we have a... a we we have a brotherhood, and I'll say that that and it's there's a, you know like, you know Ro and I don't speak often, I but just, I just that, him. That's, he's, he, I consider him my brother, and we have a brother in together Joseph I, mm-hmm. you know, and then Jay Electronica, it, it, Ray Lewis is part of this family. Miami, we um, it's a very uh, it's a brotherhood, and it's, it goes way beyond. So him and I text like almost every Show day, business, and we yes. just fuck around. Like he came on the podcast, <clears throat> and when he left, um, this one female—I don't know if you know her—Mia Kang. She's like this, the, the prettiest girl you've ever seen in your life. But she's like a <laughs> UFC girl and mm-hmm. Sports Illustrated model. Mm-hmm. And um, she, Rohan retweeted her. I'm like, oh shit! So I messaged her. I'm like, hey, I had Rohan on the podcast. She's like, if you know Rohan, I'll do your podcast. So she's doing it next week. Yes. So I just texted him I'm like, yo, Mike Williams is coming on. He's like, dude, I just landed in Mexico. I'm, I'm going to call in. So he, I actually just texted him to call in. Dude, he's the coolest dude, and he speaks. That's my brother. So as I'm coming here, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, dude, I'm going to go have Rohan on the show. He's going to think I'm cool, and then he's going to tell me to come to Jamaica with him. 
And him and, So I'm thinking of all this shit Meanwhile we, we do the show He's like hey Here's some earbuds And now is it like so you, know, I, you know what he's doing Around the world right He's he's The the the, the, uh, the Marley house So he's he, he's now Well the Marley coffee brand Has done extremely well He said it's, it exceeded, Internationally around the world But it now exceeded every, It went to Ethiopia I mean, It listen, went everywhere yeah. I know when Rose started that I know when Rose started His Tough Gone clothing line I still have a, jer- a Rugby that he gave me I'll never I'll, I'll probably wear it In my fucking casket mm-hmm. That's how much it means to me but um, he's now going around the world opening up coffee houses like the the Marley coffee house version of Starbucks. That's and, a great um, idea. Like in, in he's is he's in um what's that Tulum Mexico? Yeah, that's where he's right he's, now. He, right now. Yeah, Tulum Mexico. He just, yeah. he just opened one in Ethiopia. I think now what him and Joseph I are also doing. I'm just I'm I should be his fucking publicist. Rohan, yeah, you owe me a fucking check <laughs> for this. I just said to call me quick. So let's see if he calls. He is um I believe there there's a I hate to use the word reality, but there is a non—I just say non-scripted. Uh, there's some non-scripted um, um, footage being shot of him going around the world with my brother Joseph, with our brother Joseph Vai, opening up these coffee houses and showing how the brand got built and how it was expanding and how brothers can have fun doing, making money, going around the world. And it's you know it's not it's not all just business and you know, but it's it's family, it's fun, it's life, but it's about. The, the, the Molly brand going around the world and, and opening up these coffee houses and shedding, sharing love and just, you know, you know just, just working with each other, working with family. And so he's been very busy. I miss him, man. Yeah, well, he's <clears throat> he's actually going to hopefully call with next because we're going to do one more minute. Yeah. He's one of the most genuine dudes I've ever met. Like, he came here. I'm like, oh, I'll have a, we'll talk about the you. And he's talking about this coffee. I'm like, all right, dude, no one gives a shit about this coffee. And yet, ah, no, 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 ah. Mike, Mike, Mike. After 30 seconds, he had me. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, Sir, can I invest in this coffee? Like, yeah, dude. yeah. And, dude, he does the earbuds and he does this, dude. The he's earbuds so, not with no mercury. He's, he's just. Dude, he's, he's a yeah. passionate dude about Very it. Very passionate. Like, yeah, And he man. works hard. He works like, his I ass off. I watched him. I, we, we were, when I met Ro. He was um he wanted to become a, he was he was trying out for the uh, L A f- f- uh, soccer team yes and um I didn't know that yeah yeah, yeah we we met through um a Galaxy, mutual right? friend Cis, uh, Cess Rivera who directed that movie um uh uh, uh what's that Jamaican movie um shit Cool Running Shatters Cess Rivera directed Shatters and that's how Ro and I initially met call him I'm trying to call him yeah. He's not answering. Yeah, 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 he just landed. Like when I was walking over in like, Mexico, he, he's yeah, yeah, he'd be he come. Yeah, so um, we 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 met through Cess, and then um, I uh, I had gotten an apartment in the Plaza where he was staying, and I, I we bumped each other at the, in the same Whole Foods. I got mistaken for DMX, mind you, <laughs> in, in L.A. And um um, I, we just and, and boom, and then and then for like almost two years, my day would start like this. 7 a.m. in the morning. Mikey, come now, let me go train. <laughs> train meaning go to the fucking gym, yeah. right? And I would, I would have to come to his house and by, you know, like, I'm talking like, we're talking 6.37 in the fucking morning. And he would hit me. Yeah, yeah. That's my, like DMX. Yes, I do. <laughs> a little bit, yes, a little I bit. Do. He does, he does, yes, he, does do. he does, he does, he does. I, 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 yes, I do. Me and X, me X resemble. Yeah, maybe yeah me and X okay. resemble. We were from, definitely, there's some tribe, tribe, tribe oh, shit yeah, that was going on. Bad. 
But that was that was for the first two years. That was me and Rose's uh, friendship, man. He would call me like six thirty seven in the morning. I was he would order me to his to his condo where we would you know smoke a spliff and you know and maybe have a cup of tea. He'd answer a few emails. <laughs> Wait, is that so? Th- yeah, have, you know, Rose tea. You know, tea in the morning. He's and, about um, to tea. That's what he talks tea, about. Tea in the morning, and that's now he's coffee. All the coffee, and um um and we would go to the fucking gym and we would train and and maybe if if you know. If he didn't have a date for that night, which was very no, rare, thank you because he yeah. would invite me over for dinner. We would, and there was this, there's this Hunan spot, and we would order <laughs> the um, two white fishes. One with one would be sweet and sour with pineapple, and the other one would be with, with black bean curd. And we sit there with the hella munchies and eat and watch some sort of sports or whatever. And that was um, that was Rowan, Rowan I's friendship for like the better part of two years. Oh, I know you guys were that close. All right, no, good. No, so yeah, we real close. Mike, his thing with Rohan too. One, he's first of all, he's in such crazy shape. Like, yeah, I work oh, out. Oh, so I'm yeah. like, oh, if I suck in, like, I have a six pack. <laughs> he sat here, and it was during the summer. And it was hot, and he picked up his shirt to wipe his face. I'm like, sir, you have a six pack while sitting down. No one, no human does that. So, <laughs> and his arms, like, dude, he's in insane shape. Man. And you know something, every chick loves it's him. Not, it's not, he's not a, uh, he's not a muscle head. And I'm not, not trying to be derogatory. That was a, that was a bad. No, I'm not offended. He's not in I know the gym. I am. I am. All, all the time. He's just that's natural. all sports. Yeah. No, I don't know. He worked for it. It's all, it's all football, soccer. That, you're so, that's, that's all it. soccer. That's and, a and passion. football because yeah. he played football with with uh, the U and and the Rock, Dwayne Johnson. They were on the same team. Wait, did you know his? You know that you know Dwayne him, Johnson and Rowe were on. They played football there in college. Warren Sapp and, and Ray, Ray Lewis. Lewis like, Ray, they Ray Lewis would have been a freshman. Dude, when, they were boys. Uh, like he said, all, they, they yeah. and then he played, played together. Did he play in Toronto or did he? Hurricanes? Yeah. No, no. The afterwards, Miami? afterwards, oh, I, I don't know he, about that. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't play in the NFL. I don't know if he no, played he no, played no, he played in Canada. But I remember seeing him play at Rutgers with the year Miami joined the Big East. I went and watched him. He was a starting. Yeah. Wow. He was a savage. Yeah. Piscataway. Yeah. Yeah. He was going to try to go pro for soccer, but then um. He changed his mind and, and became an entrepreneur, and now he's fucking all he's the, international mogul. So the next show, after we do me, Rohan, and Mia, who Julia, she is not pretty. After that, then we'll do <laughs> All right, we're going to finish this because, you know, we asked five questions. Memorabilia, starstruck, tongue-tied, mistaken for, coolest in the phone. And we're going to end with this. When are you getting me a guest or a spot on one of your shows? <laughs> I don't know why anyone's laughing because that's a serious you, question. You, you, I, I mean, I know I've you already, need to- I've already – you, you, it's that's serious. I have a role for you. I know you do. I I, I actually well, well, guy wears a Hulkamania shirt and sweatpants. That's a very coveted role. Fucking Lee, this is why I don't want to invite him to my shows. Yeah, yeah. Really, you got you that one. I know Lee got you that one. That was a good one. <laughs> 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 don't don't check his head. No, he made fun of me. No, I know you have a spot. That's why I want to stand cool. I know you do. Honestly, do. All right, so I, I, I'm dead serious. No, I know you do. We're gonna do. when we when we turn yeah. the mic off. That's what we're gonna do for the next three hours. So listen, <laughs> I have to say this, and this is the truth. And I know you know this already. And Leo, finish up too. When I say your name's heavy, it sounds silly. And I know you know this, but I'm gonna stroke you a little more. My grandmother's 91 years old. She texts me, and she's like, "What are you doing today?" I'm like, "Oh, I try to explain podcast." She listens, and she's like, "Chalky." Tell Chalky, and like oh she, no, 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 really? and she's like, tell Chalky, he's one of my favorite characters ever. Chalky is this, Chalky is that. Does he go to Atlantic City? I'm like, Grandma, I'll ask. So, no, dude, I'm, I'm sure she's 91 years old. He hangs at Bally's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, because Chalky was, and my grandmother legit watched, she never watched The Wire. Does grandma listen to the podcast? Yeah, of course. Grandma, this is, this is Michael K. Williams, and you may best know me as Chalky White. 
first of all, I want to say God bless you on your 91 years of 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 of, of vibrant living. Because I know this guy Mike, your grandson, is a <laughs> is a handful. But um, I just want to say my mom, um, who's still with me, and my best friend, she just made 90 on December 31st. So um, I know what it's like to have you know to have you know, you young girls hang hang around you young girls, man. I just want to say God bless you, and um and. I heard you like Atlantic City. <laughs> I would love to be your date, Atlantic City, oh. baby. Let's, let's yeah, put some grandma. slots. Right. I need you to blow my, my dice, for me, baby. I need some lady luck. Holy shit. Oh, I, need lady lady luck I need some lady luck, grandma. Blow, blow my arm banner. I don't play dice. Blow my one arm banner, my slots machine, grandma. And let's, let, I split all my winnings with you. Uh, Chucky getting personal with yeah, my grandma. I like oh, man. Cause grandma, man. That's so, grandma. And, and this is the truth. And I know we said this before. Like, to fuck around. Like, we joke. I, I think we had a great time. We got serious for Holy. eight minutes. But, dude, for you to come on, when I text people this, and I text, well, Lee comes on all the time. But Big Dave, the yoga teacher right here, I'll text him like, hey, dude, um, Jim Florentine, the comedian's coming on. Or Dick Vitale. Or this guy's like, okay, okay. I'm like, dude, the dude who killed Bin Laden. He's like, okay. He doesn't give a fuck. And I'm like, hey, uh, Michael Williams coming on. Omar's like, oh, I'll be there. Like, dude, and no, no, no. He put his kid in daycare today to come here. Like, dude, he did. Dave, did you? Like, dude, your name is so heavy, and I, I don't know if, not that you don't know this, but dude, this just struck you a little more. Like, when, when I, no, no, it's the truth. Because when I tell him, like, yo, I'm like, Lee flew back from Africa yesterday. Dave put his kid in fucking um, daycare today. Well, Mike, Mike, Steve, Mike, you Steve, know why I'm here? Because of me. Because I'm, of you. But I oh, want wow, you to really, I want you to nice. really to know that, you know. Um, your podcast is average, okay? We, it's, it's okay. <laughs> average to low, average. But, but, that. but you are exceptional. You, you, you're, you're, you're very. You, you are one of the most kindest human beings. Um, and how we met, the way you, um, the way you helped me in my time of need, mm-hmm. I will never ever forget you for that. And I consider you. Um, family, friend, we don't speak all the time, and, and 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 even though you bumped me down in your cool on your on your on your list, I'm well, you went from six to eighteen. I'm, I'm best I'm friends, 18, but you know what though? You're climbing. I'm climbing. I know I'm climbing. <laughs> no, as long as I'm not off the list. No, 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 no. no. You right? never drop it out of top twenty-five. Okay. Never, oh, never. <laughs> Dude, I'll be honest. After this, you're eleventh. But you know what though, Mike? You know, really. You, you um, it's always fun talking to you. You have a, you got a great spirit, and I like, I like energy. I like real people. I love, I love this New York thing. What we got here, it, it transcends community. It's like we're all New York. It's not, it's not about color. And we're so about different, back, right? Jobs. We're all different. We all got different lives, different backgrounds. But you know, you know, we share the, that New York City spirit, and and you know, and that's how we met. We met on some New York City shit. I was in need, and you fucking, you gave me a helping hand, and it was human being. It wasn't about. But then you, you helped me, so that's what that's what the the thing is like. I helped. Like, yeah. We we help each other. Each other. Everyone's here. That's all it is. So yeah. you know what? So Let's end with this. Cheers. Cheers to everyone here. Thank you for coming. Good Thank you for being a great dude with an okay podcast. <laughs> 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 and 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 just because we're getting emotional for a second, I want to say something nice about Mike as the only white guy I know who can't pronounce the word ask. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let me hear it, Mike. Say it, Mike. Let me hear it. I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you a question. 
<laughs> thank you for having me on, and thank you for making me meet Michael. I really appreciate it. Dude, of course, man. Brothers. Thank you, my friend. We got to travel one day together, okay. all of us. Yeah. Dude, whatever you Fuck want. Let's go to Jamaica with fucking Rohan. I'm down. Woo! Rohan. I've never been to Jamaica. Okay. I've never been. Wait, hold on. Before we end this right now, because this is still on the air, and Rohan said when he finished downloading Ascent to him. Yes. Realistically, in a month or two, we go to Jamaica for two or three days with Rohan. We fucking love it. Let's do it. Rohan, let's, Rohan, let's go. Mean, that's like going you to Australia with Crackadow Dundee. Hey, there you go. There the fuck you go. How heavy is that name? I'm in. Can we bring Dave, the yoga teacher? We have to bring Dave, the yoga teacher. Yeah, we'll get rolling. We have to bring Dave, the yoga teacher. Dave, the yoga teacher. <laughs> Michael K. Williams, Lee Abamante. Thank you, my friends. Thank you, brother. Cheers.